John Taylor is one of two Republicans in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives from the city of Philadelphia. After 34 years, John's going to be retiring at the end of November. He says he'll still be around in Harrisburg in a new capacity. We talked about his time in office and how much things have changed since he was first elected in 1984. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, president of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. I am in downtown Philadelphia at the Union League uh, with uh, Representative John Taylor. And uh, very soon we'll be saying former representative, uh, having served in the House of Representatives since 1984, uh, 34 years. Uh, John, uh, thanks for coming on Brews and Views. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Welcome to Philadelphia. I don't know if I've heard the word former yet. Uh, <laughs> well, it's I don't not think everybody yet. Everybody ever put it like that. Yeah, we have a few weeks to go. Yeah, a few weeks to go. Uh, of course, uh, and we have a long tenure uh, to talk about. That uh, your time in the House of Representatives and changes that you've seen. Um, but maybe before we uh, get into that and and kind of your uh, looking back on just uh, your your tenure in office, uh, let's talk about how you grew up. Uh, and then, you know, the political influences in your life and why you ultimately decided uh, to run uh, for elected office. Yeah, Matt, I grew up here in, in, in Philadelphia. I'm uh, from the Kensington section. Um, my father was a Teamster warehouseman, uh, which is always very interesting to reflect on because he was sort of a really straight-laced, church-going, very church-involved guy, but uh, at the same time loved Jimmy Hoffa. Um, Despite his, uh, you know, perceived troubles, I mean, he thought that a guy like Jimmy Hoffa really did a lot to have the average guy mm-hmm. have a better lifestyle. And uh, my mother was always kind of sickly, so she didn't work. And uh, I don't think he made any more than about ten or twelve thousand dollars a year. But I, frankly, grew up like Leave It to Beaver. I, uh, <laughs> I just had like the most delightful childhood. I don't remember wanting for anything. Uh, we had, you know, 15 kids outside the house. As soon as you walked out, you got into any kind of game, whatever the season was. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, he, he, he did a, a great deal with what he had. He worked two jobs. And I don't think he saw me play a whole lot of sports until I was a senior in high school. But he did what he had to do to so, keep us afloat. Were your parents uh, uh, born and raised in Philly as well? Or is it, is, uh, my is mother was born in Schuylkill. School okay. Haven, uh-huh. uh, up near the Yingling Brewery. Okay. Uh, my father was a Port Richmond guy, though. Yeah. So, but he grew up in the times of uh, making you know, his father making beer in the in the bathtub down in Fishtown, and uh, uh, you know working in the wool scouring plant, and you know he was a depression kind of guy. So. Uh huh. And, know, and brothers unfortunately, and- my eating habits are a result of that. We, <laughs> we ate like, well, we, you never know if you're going to get a chance it's, to eat again. So okay. you, you went into it. So. And uh, brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have an older brother. My older brother, Martin, was a uh, Philadelphia policeman for almost 40 years. Okay. Uh, retired uh, about eight, ten years ago. So, All right. Yeah. All right. And uh, were your, was your family politically uh, involved, active No, not really. My father was very active in the church, uh, the Catholic church. Um, but... Uh, my mother was the real, uh, the real uh, person that followed politics. They weren't active in a physical way, but certainly, even when I was elected, she she would have C-SPAN on, and comment on you know Senator So and So from Wisconsin. Well, I didn't really have a clue what she was talking about, but she really followed the national scene pretty good. Um, 
and certainly enjoyed when I got elected and, you know, shocked to all of us, you know. So <laughs> when you but when your dad uh, being a teamster and uh, was he a registered Democrat, your family yeah, Democrats? I, I think what, they were yeah. Democrats. I think they, they were Rizzo folks, though. They, you know, they were followers okay. of Frank Rizzo. And uh, probably when Frank was a Democrat, they were a Democrat. When Frank became a Republican, which is probably after I did. Um, but they became Republicans when I did, which was really in 1983 in the election of John Egan. Uh, we, ran, we were in a campaign, John Egan for mayor. It was really, and I kid John to this day, it's the campaign that gave us Wilson Good during the time. But <laughs> I, I got along with Wilson Good when he was mayor. So, but, um, yeah, so that's how I got involved. We were involved a little bit. In, uh, I was involved, uh, I went, I got married and we went and moved to uh, Central Florida. I went to what is now UCF. At the time, it was okay. Florida Technological University, and then became UCF when I was there. Which is uh, um, University of Central Florida. Well, I think is it the yeah. biggest uh, uh, university a, in the country? It or? is now. Yeah. yeah, certainly bigger than anybody else in Florida. But at the time, I ended up working for um, uh, for some Jimmy Carter Dixiecrats. Hmm. Um, they were true Southerners. I mean, they were from they were from Orlando, but. If you grew up there, you were much more southern than the city has become. And a lot of the cities in Florida are made up of people from all over the country. But these folks were, were very southern and uh, got involved in a couple of races. As a matter of fact, I remember being involved with Bill Nelson, who's now the, still the U.S. senator there, who was running for yep. mayor. I believe he's running for, I don't know, I think he's running for his first congressional campaign. Okay. Got a couple of ideas from them that I've used over the years. Um, but then came back to go to Temple Law School um, and then didn't get involved at all until John Egan ran for mayor. Who John was like a neighborhood hero in, in, in the Kensington section because he never graduated from high school, uh, yet he was chairman of the board of the Philadelphia Stock Exchange uh -huh. and helped a lot of neighborhood kids start their careers there. So so as a, as a Republican, uh, I mean, were you an outlier in your community, though, given uh, the kind of Certainly where, not back no, then. Okay. I, think, I think it's mainly because the, the the spectrum of views was not that wide okay so if you were a a a republican you were just slightly to the right of middle mm -hmm. democrats were slightly to the left of middle and what were uh, what would you say were the issues that kind of differentiate between i, I remember uh, campaigning on um way, uh, uh, an incumbent that was way too liberal an incumbent that was giving away the store uh, under so welfare fiscal fiscal, uh, fiscal issues, responsibility yeah. okay. social uh, conservatism mm -hmm. actually okay because even though the district was 22 percent republican um it was heavily catholic we had 14 parishes back then mm -hmm. so it was it was uh, mainly white uh, mainly Catholic uh, blue-collar workers. Mm -hmm. The distinction between my politics then and maybe some of my colleagues now is, is unionism. So mm -hmm. that was just how we grew up. That was how my constituents were. Uh, to this day, I argue to some of my colleagues that I don't know why we should keep arguing about <laughs> having people make less money and work less hours. So, um, But that was the main difference, and I think a lot of it was like a law and order theme. Okay. Uh, there, I joined a group of six when I got elected. So there was six Republicans in the House mm -hmm. from the city. From, the, from Philadelphia. Plus two, mm -hmm. two state senators, and then it became one. Um, so we had a little bit of a delegation, but there was not much to choose between my 
politics in Harrisburg and say a Democrat from Northeast Philly. Well, we kind of jumped ahead there. Uh, so, so you ended up going to Florida for a bit, uh, but came back, went to Temple uh, Law School, got your uh, JD uh, there in law school, and it, I think the same time you graduated, uh, you're running for uh, the state house, yeah, right? Yeah, I was running in my final year. Yeah. How, um, so, talk about how how did you? I mean, was that the first office that you decided to run for? Was the state house? And how yeah, did that happen? Um, because of our involvement with John Egan from Air, and that was my buddy from first grade and some cousins and things, and we organized a section of the city. Turned out to be the section of the city that that was the 177th district at the time. Um, so they basically asked me to be the guy to take the designated beating for the party. Because <laughs> um, they're an incumbent Democrat, uh, correct? Incumbent Democrat uh -huh. who, who Johnny Morris at the time uh, called the one of the most talented guys in the state. I'll never forget that. I was like, really, Johnny? I, that's not how I saw it. But <laughs> um, And basically, you know, even though I was out of the local 169 Teamsters, kind of threw me out of the building. Um, my local stay with me was the only organization whatsoever that I had an endorsement from. But I was just the guy, the, the guy that ran before me as a Republican was a union president. Uh, they got 32% of the vote. Uh -huh. so, so it wasn't expected, but uh, as we developed a campaign and got on the street, uh, we realized that two things. Number one, that the guy I was running against wasn't well known. And number two, um, how long had he we, been in office at that, at that he point? He was in his uh, sixth year, third and term. And people didn't know him? Was he? Uh, no, I mean, back then, I think the Democrats operated in the smaller circles. Okay. If you kept the committee people happy, who kept the war leaders happy. Uh, and I just. And the registration I, was Democratic advantage. So yeah, you, it was like 78% uh -huh. at the time. So, But I realized that in the big circle of the people out there who, they, you know, still there was some structure. People did know their committee people mainly male at the time mm -hmm. democrats were pretty strong structure but they and, couldn't and it, sell that guy yeah and republicans i suspect uh having such a low uh, uh registration um probably didn't have much infrastructure for you to tap into is that they didn't the idea? Yeah, yeah we tried to grow so, that a little okay. bit we did at the time um, so i mean we, what did we, you do i mean how do you overcome that kind of i think of, it was just like yeah. uh, again it was started with my wife and um you know, my cousin Chris and my buddies from first grade and guys that I went to high school with. And being, I was a North Catholic graduate, and being a North Catholic graduate okay. was way more significant in that district than being a lawyer. Huh. Like, I never could say, like, <laughs> hey, Matt, I'm a lawyer. Like, so what? Like, you went to North? Oh. Okay. Um, but, you know, I was an athlete at North, so I had a lot, you know, had a lot of... Uh, a lot of people I knew, I could go block by block and think of all the families on those blocks and... Uh, you know, it kind of caught fire. We realized that we were pretty good at it. So uh, th this is 84. I would have considered myself somewhat shy, but not, uh, yeah, so not it's, when we so started. So it's 84. Uh, and, uh, of course, re-election for President Reagan. Uh, I don't know how he ends up doing in that same district. If there were dynamics uh, at play there. Yeah, I always say this. It, 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 was, it was pretty crazy. It seemed like uh, it was a negative until they picked Geraldine Ferreira. <laughs> I don't know why, but I mean, and I forget. Sounds it. a little familiar. Uh, and then all of a sudden it was like, nah, that, you know, uh, hmm. it, it wasn't a factor. It wasn't something I had to talk about anymore. It was, um, it gave me an even shot. Do you, do you remember what you won by? 
Uh, oh, yeah, we won yeah. like 54-46. Okay, yeah. so uh, a pretty resounding yeah. uh, victory and there. And I given. was the last one to buy it. Like, I had no idea that it was going to be that good. Yeah? Yeah. So, so uh, you end up uh, winning, and then obviously you won, what, uh, 16 more 16 times? More I mean, times, yeah. uh, did you face opposition uh, yeah, much? Times, yeah, um, They weren't necessarily from my, my opponent. They were from other forces at, at, at large, whether it be Vince Fumo or, um, you know, or I Because you became an outlier in Philadelphia, right? Uh, one of the, yeah. one of the f- I mean, few, uh, yeah. I guess you have, there are two, is that correct? Uh, two, two Republicans, now, yeah. yeah. And Tom Murd has a little bit of Philly. Okay. But Martina White joined me a few, you know, four years back. But, uh, I mean, Vince Fumo came after us hard in uh, 2002. Even though I, you know, I tried to stay out of his way, but um, he decided that he wasn't going to be able to win control of the Senate, so he was going to try to take control of the House. Okay. I mean, he went after George Kenny and I pretty hard with uh-huh. a ton of money, um, and we really got into high gear. It was it was the most fun I think I ever had in an election. <laughs> uh, we we're like, yeah, you want to come up here from South Philly? Come on, and uh, we withstood about three hundred thousand in negative, and. Uh, we got uh, 78.9% of the vote. So that was the highlight. Okay. And with Ed Rendell at the top of the ticket. Uh-huh. So Ed Rendell was running his first term for, for governor. So um, uh, we were very proud of that part. That well, was like a, that was a thumping. And, and, and I know that you've won certainly uh, on your name uh, and local politics, right? Uh, what was it uh, that kept you, you know, where you wouldn't see opposition or where yeah. FUMO gives um, up? Well, in the beginning, uh, you know, it became uh, in, in at that seat. I mean, I think it applies to a lot of Philadelphia seats, but I will say that in that seat, your ability to respond to local issues. Mm-hmm. I don't mean local legislative issues. I mean local issues, potholes and and abandoned houses and traffic problems or whatever was paramount. Which you don't think about as uh, Harrisburg-centric issues, right? right? But, but if you want to keep going to Harrisburg, you better take care of them. Well, we were like crazy good at it. Um, we got on it in a hurry. Um, and the Democrats tried to keep up with us on that. And he, they were convinced that uh, it was merely me taking credit for stuff that had to be a Democrat that did. Because <laughs> what, what Democrat City Hall would take my call? Uh-huh. Well, they all took my calls. Uh-huh. And if they did, we found someone who did. Uh, and we got responses that, that, that you know, were pretty overwhelming in a positive way. I mean, just yesterday I was out on the street because the SEPTA buses are coming down the street. And they don't like it. And it's causing damage at our houses. And, like, you have to be on the street. You have to be there. And that's the kind of thing I did, like, in a fanatical type of way in 1985, 1986. Um, and then, I mean, we took it by storm. It was really nobody even came close to. I mean, the first go around, it was it was pretty interesting. I always think back then, Matt, people would sit. The some members of the semi-public would sit in the back of the house. They would be smoking back there. Uh-huh. And there was a union president who used to sit back there because he was friendly with one of the sergeants of arms, and uh, he would say, "Kid, I." You're a nice guy, but I got to take you out. He was the word leader <laughs> in my word where I lived. Uh-huh. And I would say, sure, Norman, okay. So as the story goes, the guy I ran against was from a different neighborhood in 86, and he won his polling place. And he went to the word leader's poll, and they won that polling place. 
and they got in the car and they ran down to Norman, who was a cigar-chomping old-timer. said, Norman, uh, we won our divisions. What, what do you got for us? He says, I have some good news and bad news. He says, the good news, I, every division's in. He says, the bad news, you didn't win one of them. <laughs> and uh, it was the only two divisions we lost. Uh-huh. And then from then on, the guy I beat in 84 ran against us, and it just the margins kept increasing and increasing. Um, you know, the party got a little stronger. Wilson Goo was mayor. Um, people were reacting to that. I mean, I remember being able to get 150 registrations at once in one night. Um, now, you know, if we're out there for four hours, you know, you might be able to get six. Well, and that's I, that I, I suspect that uh, since you uh, ran back in 84 with only 22 percent, I think you said, Republic, it probably hasn't improved much, if not maybe. Yeah, I mean, down a little some? bit, a little bit during uh, Wilson Good years. We were always the victim of Democrat primaries, though. Mm hmm. So they would come in and poach and try to get people to, sure. you know, we had a lot of local primaries. We had a lot of primaries for mayor, primaries for governor, and Republicans traditionally didn't have many primaries. So we lost a lot of people during that. But they still voted, you know, at least for me. And I think if, if any Republican gave them a good reason to vote for them, Tom Ridge being an example, they did. Yeah. So, and that's my question is that. And even uh, Trump got 40% in my district. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the fact that people register a particular way doesn't necessarily mean that they're just going to vote straight party. Yeah, I still uh, think, you yeah. know, there was still some leftover feelings that you had to be, have someone in a house that was registered Democrat in case you needed something for your kid. It was all committee man driven. Mm -hmm. and that's totally disappeared. But we came, we became the one-stop shop for all that. I mean, you didn't have to go to a committee man okay. anymore. And I got a lot of, you know, a lot of friction on my side because of that. But it's like, why do that? Just right. come over here. We're here all day. We're the only people with local offices. We have staff. You don't have to go find a committee man after work. Tell him about your situation. He's going to go tell the word leader. Tell where they're going to come to me. Like, just come over. So did you ever get pressure from Democrats saying, John, come on, you're surrounded by Democrats. Just join the Democratic Party. We'll make life a lot easier for yeah, you. Yeah, Vince used to do that pretty yeah. often. And, and then uh, he said, I'll try to beat you once. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but he denied it. That was the difference in him. He was very straightforward <laughs> at one point in time. But um, no, and, uh, but there was a time when uh, the Senate seat was open. Um, the uh, Bill Stinson affair that they came to me pretty hard for to run for state senate. Um, and it was intriguing. Thing, yeah. yeah, it was intriguing because you know we saw people with much less talent, so to speak, that were were rising in yeah. in, in politics. Um, but you know, I, I would have never taken my whole district into any fight, no matter which other fight I went into anyway. It, and Democrats couldn't control each other. Right. So no matter who was for you, somebody couldn't be against <laughs> you. So, uh, you know, we decided against doing that, and I never looked back from that. But And, and why, John? Why? What, what makes you say, you know what, I am a Republican, and I will stay a Republican in an area that would be a lot of pressure. It would be easier to become a Democrat in some yeah. ways, right? Yeah, but I, I mean, I think... That man on the issues when it came to Harrisburg, I, I think locally it wouldn't have made any, any difference except mm -hmm. I had such loyal people around me that, you know, in general, a lot of my supporters or helpers, like the party structure is much more conservative yeah. than I. Uh -huh. you know, they're, 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 they're really staunch, staunch Republican thinkers. So I didn't want to disappoint them. But at the same time, in, in Harrisburg, I mean, I think it was far too left for me. Yeah. Um, 
you know, my brother was a police officer. You know, we're too much, too much talk about per, uh, the perpetrators and not as much talk about the victims. Mm-hmm. Too much talk about spending and things for free uh, than than I was comfortable with. And then I had my, by that time I had my own base of colleagues. You know, you start your relationships. I couldn't bear to be sitting mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. Well, well, and, and what's your critique of the Republican Party, though? Uh, as you kind of you've been there, you know, for over three yeah. decades, uh, how has it changed? Uh, is it for good or bad? Or I what think, do you think the entire uh, the entire spectrum has changed. It used to be, you know, I always I usually use the example like Merle Phillips was like the conservative, right? <laughs> I remember Merle, like yeah. country guy, yeah. lived up in you know Northumberland or whatever. Now, I mean, Merrill would be, you know, somewhat just slightly right of moderate. Um, so from the far left to the, to the far right, that, that is so wide compared to where it used to be. And then if you recall, we had a lot of Democrats who were voting with us on a sure. lot of stuff, particularly Democrats from out west. Mm-hmm. You, you saw fewer and fewer of those mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah, but on I fiscal just, issues, even social issues. Uh, you've, yeah, you've seen and that, I yeah. talked a little bit about it in my speech. One of the big differences is there's not a there's not an acceptance of of your own local situation. Like everybody takes an idea and they run it through their own prism, and if it meets their philosophical standards, they'll be for it. If it if doesn't, they're not. And one of the great examples is our red light camera situation here. Um, we had a crazy number of deaths over and over on certain intersections in Philly with people running red lights. So we instituted the red light camera program. Um, and when we first did it, John Purcell was the boss. It was easy, right? When we had to redo it because of the sunshine provision, or the sunset, sunset provision, yep. rather, um, you know, I had a lot of my colleagues who was very friendly with saying, we don't, we don't like that. I said, but it doesn't affect you. Yeah, but we still don't like it. I said, but if you have something in your area, I'll take my committee there if it helps you. If you have a problem that you need to be solved, I'm of the mind that I'm going to go try to help you solve it, especially if I'm being given the power to so do. And is Uh, your argument that that has helped solve a lot of the the problems that you were seeing at intersections, and that's why? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, we didn't have a death in those intersections for about 10 Mm -hmm. years. Uh, We had more fender benders and you know we argue with the motoring public all the time about that and you know we just went through it with the speed cameras but that was a, just an example of how that was very important to me mm-hmm. that was very important to philadelphia it didn't affect your constituents all you had to say is it's never going to come here right to this county so don't worry about it because it was enabling legislation the local people the, the the statewide enabling legislation only called for philadelphia let alone you would still have to go through a local ordinance so but I think there's a lot of examples of that, that if, you know, they just view things philosophically, not practically. Like, it will never affect you. Yeah, but I don't like it. Yeah. You don't like it for my people. But, you know, I kind of know the situation better than you do where I'm at. We just did one. It was kind of heartening. We did one for, um, for uh, Aaron Bernstein, if yeah. you recall. We had a piece of legislation this term that I was first against because the chairwoman was against him. And, you know, some of our, our chair people stick together. But then I was like, no, this kid needs that out in his district. Whatever, if it doesn't make sense to me, it's still he knows better than I do. Mm-hmm. He says we need that. 
so I voted for that, and it was successful. Now, whether it got through the Senate or not, I don't know. But uh, but that was a great example of how things were different. But now, like, they just, I, I think they're afraid that they get viewed on the philosophical uh, point of a, of a particular bill, whether it affects them or not. Well, and we're very familiar. Of course, uh, we, we get bombarded every day with a lot of the, uh, the partisanship and uh, uh, the hostility, what, whatever you want to call it, at the national level. Um, assess things at, at the state level. Do, uh, does our House uh, and Senate, uh, maybe you don't know as much over there, but does the House suffer from a lot of the same partisanship and the divides that we're seeing in, in yeah, Washington? Yeah, I don't think it's quite as nasty because okay. some of those guys are in such good shape that they don't have to be nasty. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, you know, they, don't have, they just have to worry about primaries. Um, but it still exists. I think there is more of a divide than there used to be. It's more more bitter than it used to be. You know, if you have something like a Brian Sims versus Daryl Medcalf, that's oh, yeah. that's bitter. That's real. That's not just sort of posturing. That's real. Um, we used to get together more socially, you know, a lot of athletic events and things like that, and get a beer and, you know, have dinner afterwards. That kind of stopped. But would you say that you use Representative Sims and Metcalf as as you're probably uh, on the outer fringes of of both parties there possibly? Um, do we end up uh, allowing that to take up a lot of our bandwidth and then 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 paint the entire caucus as yeah? I think that's a good that, way to yeah. put it. That seems to be the newsworthy type yeah. stuff. Um, well, it's what sells, right? And then the campaigns are so mean, mm-hmm. and we've come to accept that that. I mean, you're just going to get brutalized. If someone has the money, and I always tell these younger members, like, they they fret over every single bill. I'm saying, like, if your opponent has money, you're getting ripped. Yeah. It won't matter what. <laughs> you know, yeah. They're going to find something. Yeah. They're going to say that you sat next to me. <laughs> well, and we've <laughs> or, seen there's even willingness to lie about things that has been uh, put in the mail. And, uh, the Supreme enact- Court has yeah. sort of condoned that. So, yeah. Well, you can lie about them. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so uh, has all of this, John, contributed why you said, all right, 2018, I'm done? Or had you planned that uh, this was going to be uh, your last term? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think I'm interested in doing some other things a little more substantively. Um, I mean, one of the drawbacks to the job, even when you're a chairman, is that you know a little bit about a thousand things. <laughs> but you don't know a whole lot about any one thing. Even when you're chairman, I mean, I'm chairman of transportation. That, that subject matter is so vast that you can never master it. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to working on some, some things that are a little more of substance. Being home a little more, I just had my first grandchild, and uh, he's 16 months now. All right. They live in the city, so I get to, you know, pop over. And, and I have, a, you know, my wife and I are lucky. We have adult children that like to hang out with us. So when they're in town, I have one that lives in California, one is in Maryland. Um, we like to be available. Uh-huh. And those events that occur every night, those events that occur every weekend, those constituents deserve to have their state rep there. And I'm just less and less uh, happy about doing it. I mean, once I'm there, I'm fine, but you're not someplace else with your family. So well, that so was more of a, the factor. I think I could have lived with whatever was going on in Harrisburg. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly the campaigns locally are more bitter. Uh, and frankly, my district has changed. It's the people say you feel like uh, you're being rejected by your own people. I said, no, these are new people. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, to go convince someone from out of state, like if you're a 25 year old in my district I, and you grew up there, I probably helped your grandmother. Yeah. 
and your parents. But if you just came in from New York City, you have no yeah. clue. You're just another Republican. Uh, that, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah considered an older Republican, you know. Uh, you know, and I always kid around about it, but it's true. Like, in, in the city, we're considered right-wing zealots. Yeah, right. And we get to Harrisburg, and uh, I get you, criticized in caucus for being yeah, a yeah. socialist. So <laughs> what is it? So uh, you, you mentioned being chairman of transportation, but uh, previously uh, you were chairman of the liquor um, yeah. committee which uh, you, uh, I think maybe the last time we enjoyed a cigar together was the, the passage of uh, what would have been complete privatization yeah. of uh, alcohol, which uh, unfortunately didn't happen at that time. That was under Corbett, uh, but then did it again um, uh, under uh, Tom Wolf, who uh, vetoed that back in 2015, but kept at it. Um, talk yeah, about that. Yeah, and it certainly changed the landscape of how we purchase alcohol throughout the Commonwealth. And I think, you know, as I said to the speaker during my speech, I think, you know, he his persistence in that, you know, he was looking for the entire the entire thing at once. But as a result, I mean, things are very different the way we buy well, wine and beer. And uh, and coincidentally, I think this, the stores started to get much better. Imagine that um, competition, right? Yeah, all of a sudden. I mean... <laughs> There are some uh, awesome state stores now, and there. When we started that debate, there were not even in Philly. Right. I mean, I remember not being able to buy the ingredients for a Manhattan in a state <laughs> Imagine store. Imagine that. And uh, having another place locally, it was small, and the computer kept breaking down, and they had lines. Well, they they closed both of those stores and built a mega store. That's that's excellent. So. Um, I was never much in the philosophy of getting the state out of the business. I didn't think that the, the average constituent kind of even knows who owns the store. Mm -hmm. But I was for the practical changes that people have more convenience. And I don't want my constituents to be, become criminals because they buy a bottle of wine when they're visiting their aunt in Cherry Hill, which is common. Um, but it was my job at the time um, for that caucus to do that which that was in front of me. And despite, the, I think the speaker never had faith in me that I would do it, but <laughs> that was my job. And, you know, as a lawyer, sometimes you have to take on causes that you don't fully believe in. But if, if that's your assignment, that's what we did. Well, as you look out into the future, of course, uh, everybody said, hey, when you bring slot machines into Pennsylvania, it's going to end up, we'll see table games and then we'll see. And we've seen sort of that expansion of gambling. What do you see happening on the liquor front? Do you think that uh, eventually Pennsylvania goes, hey, we're getting government out of the booze business or that we're always going to have some uh, remnant of that? Yeah, I or? think in the short term you'll always have some. I, I think you'll continue to see more expansion, more liberalization. Uh, I mean, uh, Marsha Lampin used to be my executive director. Mm -hmm. She now works for the majority leader. But we used to sit around and just get around and say, like, we can find something every week in this liquor code <laughs> that makes no sense. Uh -huh. I mean, the way we distribute beer is still baffling. Um, you, you can't use a credit card if you're a beer distributor and you buy from the uh, you buy from the, the, the you know the the, the, the IDs. You mm -hmm. can't use a credit card. I mean, <laughs> why is that? That's some sort of old school. That was the way it was back then, and they're reluctant to change it. So there, but I could give you 10 examples yeah. of silliness that's in that code. So I think you'll still see a, um, you know, a, a modernization attempt. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the arguments that's, that's always going to have some, some punches, and Bill Keller used to use it, 
if we had an industry that wanted to come in here that provided, you know, whatever the number of jobs is, 10,000 jobs, we'd be falling all over them. But yet we're looking to eliminate 10,000 jobs. Now, a lot of them will be picked up by the private sector. Right, but right. There's no doubt that that would affect a lot of livelihoods. So I think uh, if, if Tom Wolf, the governor next term, uh, you're not going to see it, certainly, with a, re- with a Democrat governor. Well, uh, when this is airing, we will know uh, that uh, whether Tom Wolf is there or not. Uh, are there things that, um, that uh, you think uh, Tom Wolf has done well uh, as governor uh, and that you think that uh, will continue uh, in a second term if he's there? I, I, I'm very fond of the governor uh, personally. I, ju- I think that we need to get back to a Ed Rendell type model mm. where the where the chief executive is very out front on issues and leading the issue. I think both Governor Corbin and Governor Wolf sort of have sat back and I think strategically so for, for Governor Wolf uh, and let the legislature do what it's doing, um, commenting in on the side about what they think, whether it's good or bad. Um, but not being in the whole uh, process of making the law. I mean, I've heard that he's a bit aloof or out, aloof in that. Well, that he's they, not they certainly in that, know right? what's going yeah. on, but they've, I think, strategically have said that they don't want to take a stand on some of that stuff because it's such a, a hard trek through the legislature, right? So, but, you know, I, and I had my, you know, ups and downs with Governor Rendell and Mayor Rendell when he was mayor, but. You had to hand it to him when he decided he was for something, yeah. boy. He went out and sold it, and it, was, it wasn't always successful. But he went to every media market three times, and, you know, the average Pennsylvania knew what he was for. Yeah. And uh, I and I think, you know, in Governor Wolf's case, it's, it's sort of strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's sort of permeated through the campaign. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully in the second term he'll decide what his priorities are, and sometimes they're going to meet the— the desires of the legislature and sometimes they're not but be that as it may i think that you know everybody should have their agenda out there front and center well so as you uh prepare to uh leave uh the house uh december one you'll kind of, you'll be private citizen you will be former uh representative uh, john taylor yeah. in addition to spending time with your family when you're able to uh what, what plans you got? Some good golf courses you intend to hit this, uh, yeah, this you winter? Yeah, and in some <laughs> respects, I think I'm going to be busier than I yeah, or at least more restricted. Uh, one of the beauties of being in the legislature is that you kind of can, except for session, you can kind of make your own schedule. And if you take some time off for your kids, you got to make up for it. Uh, but on the other side, the other hand, I'll be more of a 9-to-5 kind of guy that I've really never done in my whole life. Um <laughs> You know, we, I always talk about our marriage to our kids, and every single year we had more and more responsibility. It was more kids, and then we were in law school, and then I was elected, and, and my wife had continued to get more and more responsibility in her jobs. Um, but I think, I, you know, I'm going to be busy, certainly I'm with, uh, with my law firm, which I've been for some time. I'll be able to show up there a little more. And then I am going to do something that's significant in policy that, I really can't say for another two weeks, but well, so but the, you did announce I, that on the floor that you were joining the Commonwealth Foundation. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not I, true, and, huh? And p- part of that was well, that's up to you, I guess. But part of that was uh, it was almost to uh, make the people that do know what I'm doing, uh, you know, sort of squirm in their okay, seat a little good. bit. Uh, when I said eighty percent sure, 
I'm sure that the average member was thinking, why would somebody say, announce something they're 80% sure of? Um, we but, had some uh, good laughs at that. Uh, it was fun uh, for our listeners who didn't hear that uh, Representative Taylor in his, his farewell address uh, before the House uh, uh, joked, um, but deadpanned uh, quite well <laughs> that uh, he was going with Steve Bloom uh, to the Commonwealth Foundation. And they, they hesitated <laughs> for a few seconds there. <laughs> then you had some laughs, yes. But, you know, Matt, yeah, I, you and I have always uh, been able to have good conversations and, uh, you know, we don't agree on every issue. But, but it, it really is, and if people would understand it, it's always a reflection of who you represent. And I said in my farewell speech that we're not there to, to, to cater to the 300 loudest people in the district. Yeah. We're there to represent the district as a whole. Uh, we make such a big deal about our qualifications. Anybody that runs for office, I went to this school, I did these things. Well, that's to indicate to your constituents that you're, you're, a, you're a person of substance that can make decisions. Mm -hmm. So once you're elected, I think they feel that they're giving you, as their agent, the ability to make those decisions and not somebody who keeps emailing you over and over and over under different names. <laughs> and I get a lot of that. So, that's what I think should prevail. I try to make that clear, but you know, we, but that doesn't mean that people can't have the conversations. That, you know, for for example, you and I have people are shocked when I say, "Oh, like, he's a good guy." Why well, you think that? Like, <laughs> yeah, I do. I think that. I, and and you know, there's a lot of stuff we do agree on. So, and you know, I think that came out a lot of farewell speeches. This term came out about like, why don't we just concentrate on what people do agree on? Yeah. Yeah, but we gotta. Get, I mean, but we're on the. One thing I would, you know, if, I went thirty six minutes, which was probably way too long. But if I had longer, I would talk about. You know, well, that's getting, only about a minute a year that you were there. Yeah, so that's, that's the way that's to look at it. Plus, you know, there's so many people that speak on every issue there for forever. Uh, but we need to get back to some really meat and potatoes, I think, in that legislature, and have both parties have a good tax reform. Uh, agenda have a good job creation agenda. Um, and are you we're on the that? fringe yeah. of these yeah. issues. We're, we're you know we we tend to to get involved in issues that nobody cares about. And you know some people care about them, but I mean I like to think about it as what is discussed at the at the kitchen table uh, in the morning when people are getting ready to go to work and, and get their kids out to school. They care about education. They care about their jobs. They care about how much money they have to pay in tax. And uh, when you think about it, there's bills that do a little bit of all that, yeah. but there's not a real comprehensive agenda on either side for that. And I ask you if you're hopeful for that, uh, because sometimes I'm, I'm fairly pessimistic of whether uh, or not we can have those kinds of uh, discussions um, without uh, the, the partisan barbs or some of the vitriol that I mean, it, it always seems that uh, people who are trying to uh, get their message out, have to say something outlandish or focus on things, and that it is a challenge to say, all right, John, where do we agree on things? We may not agree on these yeah. over here, but how do we set them aside uh, and work on them? In fact, you mentioned Ed Rendell. Uh, I actually talked to him more than I talked to Tom Corbett, and put, people are kind of surprised when they hear that. And it is because that he said, hey, here's areas where I think we can work on, and we did work on uh, areas of, of agreement there. Um, and I think that if we can get back to that where you kind of set aside, hey, that if I'm sitting down talking with John, uh, you know, Taylor, or even I've had Dalen Leach on here, people go, you what? 
I mean, we got to have those conversations, and I'm, and I'm afraid that uh, there's just a, uh, an uneasiness of people on all sides to, to reach across and even be yeah. seen with those who disagree and, with And them. there's so much opportunity there, both from a policy point of view for the Commonwealth and for our party. Um, I think that there's so many paths uh, that we could go down of, of, of growth Mm-hmm. Uh, with our constituencies that just aren't talked about. And, uh, you know, but I think when you have the primaries that we have where if you're right, you have to be as far right as you can be and you get locked into certain positions. And now the Democrats are suffering that as well where you can't get left enough if you're in a Democrat primary. And it's dangerous stuff. Um yeah, where you and see then, the rise you know, so of... So like, yeah. I'm locked in. I'm sorry. I can't talk. I'm not even allowed to talk yeah. to you. If I could see with you, you're... Well, it is, where, it is where I know that when we're having discussions about pension reform, there were a number of Democrats who understood basic math that, look, the current system uh, is unsustainable. We can't afford yeah. it. Uh, but understood as well the politics. If I say that publicly... Uh, I will no longer uh, be on the list of, of yeah. folks that I want to be you on. Know, and, we, that, yeah. and frankly, we didn't pay into that system for sure. Twelve years. No, there's lots of reasons that I we. Mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, we were, and, and, and I try to tell it, try to tell the younger members how it was when we had so much money rolling into the Commonwealth that we fought over what to do with it. Yeah, and that we were giving taxpayers money back. Yeah, which is hard to believe if you've been in for the last twelve <laughs> or fourteen yeah. years. Um, but uh, there, there is an awful lot of room, and I, and I think if we got away from the fringe issues and started talking a little more about uh, the meat and potatoes, you're going to find agreement. Because there's really, if it's health care, there's really not a Democrat uh, version. I mean, everybody wants their families to do well. Yeah. And I mean, think even in our city, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, African-American communities or, or, or white communities or whatever, when you go to a community meeting, and close your eyes, you're hearing the same thing. Sure, sure. I mean, they want to be safe. Uh, we all want to have good schools for our kids. We all want our grandmother to, to have health care. And, um, you know, there's really not a whole lot of ways to do some of those things. So uh, there should be more of an effort for, for, for consensus than division. Well, John, I appreciate your uh, sitting down with me as you wrap up your uh, 34 years. Uh, congratulations. Uh, job well done. Uh, look forward to seeing you in the private sector and the things that you'll be working on. Hopefully there'll be things that we can uh, agree on. Uh, I think, yeah, we could be back on these microphones uh, pretty soon. <laughs> Very good. Well, John, thanks, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Matt. It was great. You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E.